What would our world look like if we lived with more power, liberation, and purpose? How might our lives be different if more of us felt genuinely worthy and confident? Welcome to season two of the She's Heard podcast, where we investigate what it means to own our story and create the kind of change we want for ourselves and our communities. I'm your host, Emily Jennings, and you found the place where extraordinary everyday people from different professions and walks of life share with you the empath, change maker, truth teller, disruptor, creator, and lover of humanity and life about how to honor our voice and live with more power, creativity, and joy. Thank you so much for being here. I started this podcast because now is the time for us to start speaking up. It's time to believe that we are worthy to take up more space and create the change we want for ourselves and our communities. And it's time to be courageous in creating bold solutions to the issues that deeply break our hearts. We are culture and we have the power to change it. The question is, who do we want to be? What will we stand for? What will we create? A shift in our culture will come from extraordinary everyday people like you and me. And as Humble the Poet says, we are all pieces of a puzzle and puzzles in a piece. This podcast exists to help us better understand ourselves and how we fit into and impact the greater picture as well. Over the next several episodes, we explore topics like forgiveness, the power of music, leading with love, and the practice of cultivating creativity and joy. We talk about health, wellness, body liberation, and gender. We discuss racism, white supremacy, and the power yoga has to heal and transform it. And we will explore food and its role in reclaiming connection and belonging. We look at how we can literally protect ourselves, heal trauma, and harness the liberating power of storytelling. In this episode, I'm going to share my personal story and my journey of reclamation and wholeness. She's Heard is a passion project, and as I've been creating these episodes, I've noticed that it is much easier to listen to other people's stories than to do the work of actually owning and reclaiming my own. It's hard to share about myself, but I do, and I'm committed to doing that. A lot of times I feel really awkward or that I'm being choked or that I won't use the right words or that I'll disclose too much or too little. And when I feel that little nudge that I need to speak up, oftentimes I'll feel jittery and hot. My heart races, my throat hurts and gets tight. Um, But speaking up is my practice. And this is what I ask of those that come on the She's Heard podcast, as well as of you, dear human, listening to this right now. I'm the picture of white privilege, and by white privilege, I mean the inherent advantages a white person experiences on a daily basis in a society characterized and upheld by racial inequality and injustice. I'm a petite, blonde-haired, blue-eyed white woman in America, and coming from this unearned advantage in society, I have the most responsibility to shed light on our culture of domination and white supremacy. And when I say white supremacy, I'm referring to the belief that white people are superior to those of all other races, especially black and African American folks. This is reflected in every sector and industry. And the whole thing is just set up to put me up on a fake pedestal that I really don't want to be on. 
It's really harmful to everyone, but most importantly, it's harmful to me, as playing into this role has me ignore and leave out major parts of my humanity and who I really am. I am beyond sick of not only seeing black and brown bodies harmed, but never being able to fully be myself or relax into truly belonging or experiencing fully being loved, as my acceptance is based on submission and pretending and shrinking and being hyperproductive and agreeable or leaving just big parts of what I believe and feel and think behind. While I see others who, at best, are taken advantage of, left out, ignored or stood over, and at worst, are perpetually oppressed, shut out, and murdered with no accountability or justice. I am committed to reclaiming my voice and continually learning from the perspectives and wisdom of those that live in the practice of liberation and speaking up. Coming from my location in society as a white woman, I know that I have blind spots. I know I will make mistakes and that this work is messy, but I'm committed to doing it anyway. Part of my work is to own where I'm from and reclaim my voice and humanity. I truly believe that we are all one. That's just not a nice idea to visit while I'm hiking or dancing or on my yoga mat. It's something I truly believe. One of the resources that has helped me is the small but super powerful little book called Skill in Action by Michelle Cassandra Johnson. And in it, she talks about the intersection of yoga and social justice. She really helps us look at how racism, white supremacy, and yoga intersect and how yoga can be something that helps us dismantle and decolonize our culture of domination and white supremacy. There's also a template for a poem in her book that's called Where I'm From that was inspired by George Ella Lyons. She uses it as a tool to help us look fully at ourselves and a way that our mainstream culture washes out. And this is my Where I'm From poem. I am from willow trees and rolling hills of wheat, from secondhand clothes, station wagons, uniforms, and Bible scripture. I am from climbing trees and flying down zip lines again and again and again, from sweat, dirt, worms, and dandelion crowns. I am from dogs barking, kids screaming, music blaring, and endless piles of laundry and dirty dishes. I am from hospital rooms, traffic, and exhaustion. I am from late night street basketball, swing dancing, and work your ass off, M. I'm from Patty Sue and Robert, Susan and Alan. I am from, oh, it'll be fine, while the bills keep piling up, from... Be nice. People need to like you. From family first, no matter what. And I just can't deal with you. You're too much. I'm from, we love you, number one grandchild, our little tiger. From acoustic guitars and pianos. I'm from, you look like death, go put on makeup. From obey, shut your mouth, and smile. I'm from mental illness, alcoholism, depression, and neglect. And I am from guardian angels, generosity, laughter, and love. I'm from Washington State and Norway. From casseroles, barbecue salmon, cheese sandwiches, and warm brownies. 
I'm from an only child who grew up to bear five children, two in the same year that were not twins, while her husband served overseas in the military. And that is where I am from. I encourage you to get the book Skill in Action and explore where you're from. When it comes to reclaiming our voice, it can be really helpful to look at key moments that may have taken it away and key moments or experiences that have helped us reclaim it. And here are a few of mine. I'm the oldest of four children and was born into a conservative Bible-based community in eastern Washington state that many would say is a cult. We were very isolated growing up, which in some ways was healthy and in other ways was deeply harmful and abusive. When I was 11, my mom got diagnosed with a brain tumor that went from the base of her brain stem to the back of her eye, and we had to move to Seattle for better care. Growing up, I'd been told that public schools in big cities were wrong and bad and ridden with sin and evil. And now, here we were, uprooting our lives and moving to those scary places. While I was starting public school, my mom went into hospital for surgery. Shortly after she got out of surgery, my brothers and sister and dad and I went to go visit her. And she didn't recognize me. She didn't know she had children. She had to relearn everything. And she spent almost that first full year in the hospital. Miraculously, she survived and is still alive today, but it's been a a hard road for her. She has a lot of physical and mental challenges as a result of her brain trauma. And that was one of the first major moments that I remember feeling so choked and numb. Shortly thereafter, I lost my dog, who was my best friend since I was two weeks old. And he died right outside my window. And I was so numb and shocked from everything happening with my mom and adjusting to a public school and just taking on more responsibility in the household. I just, I didn't even cry about it. I couldn't feel, I didn't know what I was thinking. I felt so alone, like a zombie. And things just began to snowball. I started middle school and was getting a lot of attention and I didn't know how to deal with it. On one hand, I was drawn to the attention, but it also really scared me. I felt cool, but I also felt completely out of control and that just something was off. I got the attention from an older guy that lived in my neighborhood because I delivered newspapers to his house. I thought he was super cute. He had a car and he took me to parties and he seemed to really like like me and care about me. And he paid attention to me and told me that he loved me. And then it started getting abusive. The more I tried to speak up for myself and set boundaries or get away, the more abusive and violent it got. It progressed and progressed And eventually, it got so violent that I needed to get a restraining order. A lot of harm was caused to several people over the course of that relationship. And this happened at such an impressionable age and was traumatizing to my self-worth and who I thought I was. So fast forward. I get to college thanks to a dear friend who helped me get my application in on time. I studied exercise science and physiology. I graduate and I'm doing all the things, but deep down I'm miserable and lacking just a deep sense of purpose. There's a part of me that just was like, 
is this really all there is? There's got to be more. A dear friend of mine who I deeply love and respect, who's super logical and probably one of the most creative and successful and kind and open-hearted and wise souls I've ever met. And he had recently experienced a really traumatizing loss. And he did the landmark form, and I saw the difference that it made for him. And he suggested that I take this course. It was like a self-improvement course. So once I completed that, it was really the tipping point for me to healing and intentionally creating my life. I walked out of there and I saw color differently. I tasted food differently. I was able to see myself and other people and the world through an entirely new perspective. It was like I had access to a whole new part of my brain. I started to consider things that never crossed my mind before, like taking an international trip or buying a home. Completing that course was a springboard to exploring so many other things. After that, I started to take a lot of risks that I was too afraid to consider otherwise. So fast forward and then in 2010, everything started falling apart. I lost my job, I crashed my car, I couldn't afford my home, and my relationship ended all within a matter of a few weeks. I felt like I was being backhanded by the universe in every direction, and nothing was aligning in Seattle. A friend that I went to college with suggested I get certified to teach English and join her in Russia. I'd get two weeks off every three months, I'd be able to travel to new parts of the world, and this seemed like a dream come true, as there was so much that I wanted to learn and explore, but couldn't because of my prior lifestyle, and just, I only got two weeks off a year for vacation. I was also really scared, but there was a part of me that felt that I would either die in Russia or somehow figure it out and find a way to make it. And there was a part of me that believed that if I could go there and find my way, that I could go anywhere in the world and be able to create a a new life. Either option was better than where I was. So I jumped with three suitcases and $300 to my name. And while I was there, one of the most powerful things that happened was that I got to be an actress in the vagina monologues. And I dive deeper into that and describe that experience Um, and the impact it had on me more in depth in the first episode of season one. Um, But that experience really shifted something deep within me. I was surrounded by a group of international women who cared about and were talking about the things that I deeply cared about, like um, sexual abuse and orgasms and falling in love and motherhood and being single and giving birth and just simply owning our wholeness and imperfection. Through that experience, I reclaimed a part of myself that I didn't realize was missing. And I also saw that these issues were so much bigger than myself. Once I finished working in Russia, I spent several months backpacking around Southeast Asia and Australia, which was so much fun and awe-inspiring and deeply liberating. But at times, it was really lonely, too. When I came back to the States in 2014, I felt really called to move to San Francisco. And so I rented a car and drove down from Seattle and started to rebuild my life here, which is where I live now. In 2016, I went to a conference 
and I came across the work of Angel Kyoto Williams and the book Radical Dharma. And this was during the summer of 2016 when videos of so many black and brown bodies being murdered was happening all over the internet on what seemed a weekly basis and no one was being held accountable. I was heartbroken and at times debilitated. I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't want to be a part of this society and to hustle and to work and to freaking save for retirement. And then the election happened and I was even more shocked and furious and underneath all of that, deeply heartbroken. At the time, I didn't understand how so many, like it was 53% of white women that voted for Trump that voted against not only their best interest and not only against their own well-being, but for the harm of so many other people. And I just couldn't wrap my hand around it. I was like, what is happening? So I started to read and investigate and seek out and try to understand. I started to see how racism and sexism are perpetuated by internalized misogyny that these power structures and the, and racism is upheld by nice white women like myself. When I read Radical Dharma, I had never heard anyone articulate what I had sensed but didn't have a language for. It was like I could finally breathe. Everything in me was like, yes, more of this. So I started to surround myself with people that were curious and heartbroken and investigating and pulling back the layers of white supremacy and patriarchy and capitalism and looking at how they are all interconnected to uphold the reality that we're currently living in. I started to see and understand the paradox that I could be racist and anti-racist at the same time, that people aren't just one thing, that I'm not just one thing, that these systems... And this way of thinking is in the air that we breathe. It's, in, it's like in the water we're swimming in. And that I have to be vigilant to bring my awareness every single moment of every single day to noticing these things. I started to see that I can be against all of the isms and also then perpetuate harm through my unconscious biases and blind spots. And this was humbling and mind and heart opening and something that I couldn't turn away from and I still can't turn away from. At one of our trainings, Reverend Angel said to our cohort that the solutions to our current problems haven't been created yet. That these solutions exist within us, but we must evolve our thinking. That, like that quote, like, that our current problems won't be solved at the same level of thinking that they were created, that we have to evolve. We truly have to become the heroes and sheroes of our own lives. And I realize that we, that you, listener, and me, we have to become and embody the essence of our heroes and sheroes. So for me, that's like, how do I embody the essence of Oprah and Jane Fonda and Gloria Steinem and Barack and Michelle? and Angela Davis and Malcolm X and MLK and James Baldwin and Lady Gaga and Prince and the list goes on and on and on. It's whoever inspires and touches your soul. We have to become the essence of these folks for our own lives and for our communities. Culture will change from the ground up. We transform ourselves and our communities at the same time in tandem. Waiting to reach some level of perfection before standing for larger change is only an illusion and 
I've learned now that is a key debilitating belief of whiteness. Perfectionism doesn't exist. It's unattainable. So, I'm learning that mistakes are an essential part of growing. I'm learning to lean into discomfort and to sit there. I'm learning when to speak up and when to shut up and listen. I'm learning to feel my feelings and reclaim my humanity. I've become acutely aware that especially for white women, women of my lineage, that disassociation is in our bodies. To not feel, to check out, to laugh it off, to pretend like things are fine, to be polite, which by the way is very different than being kind. Women in my lineage are taught that if we behave and follow the unspoken rules of obeying our husbands and fathers, teachers, pastors, doctors, bosses, that we'll be taken care of. If we do break these rules, we're thrown out, discarded, replaceable, or expendable. And you got to think, is that really being taken care of? Is that really belonging? I've learned that I cannot selectively numb parts of myself. When I numb my pain, I numb my ability to love and experience joy as well. I've noticed that when I start to acknowledge the pain in grief, it can feel like being dropped off into the center of the ocean without any land or boat or life-saving ring in sight. When I start to look pain directly in the eye, it can initially feel impossible and overwhelming, but it doesn't last forever and it won't last. And the only way out is through. The decision to heal and reclaim our lives is a personal one, but we can't do it alone. And I am so excited to share the stories of folks who have helped me and so many other people reclaim our voice, our life, and not only heal, but thrive. It is a street fight to reclaim worthiness, but it is so worth it. Walking around like a zombie, pretending everything is fine, I'm not going to settle for it. I won't. I won't settle for the status quo. And there's just too much on the line. One of the things that has saved me is a gratitude practice. Gratitude and joy are twins. Brene Brown talks a lot about this. The more we practice gratitude, the more joy we cultivate. And today, in this moment, I'm exceptionally grateful and really humbled and proud of how far I've come and the woman that I've evolved into and continue to choose to be. I'm so thankful for all the knowledge and tools and classes and trainings that are available to help us heal, open our hearts and minds, and embrace one another and really live. I'm also really, really thankful to be alive and living at a time where I get to have the freedom and creativity to speak and express myself, especially when so many women that have come before have been murdered for it. And especially when so many women and people still are harmed for simply expressing themselves. My wish for our world is that everyone is truly free to be themselves and has the opportunity and access to embody their fullest potential. 
my prayer is that more and more white folks start to wake up and see how much white supremacy is costing us, starting with simply our aliveness and genuine deep connection to each other and ability to truly be free and fully experience belonging. My prayer is that we have patience and compassion for ourselves and each other as we ride this wild, brutal, and beautiful roller coaster of life. That we persist and stay committed to continuous learning, healing, and growing. And that we make space for a whole lot of joy along the way too. And I hope for you, dear beautiful soul listening to this right now, that over the course of the second season of this podcast, that hearing from folks who have transformed hardship and apathy and depression into courage, creativity, and healing, that it helps and inspires you on your journey as well. Learning to speak up is a skill. So is listening. And like any other skill with consistent practice and commitment, it will improve. Practice truly makes progress. We are culture and we have the power to change it. Who do we want to be? What will we stand for? What will we create? The invitation and call to action from this episode is to reflect on where you're from. Pick up the book Skill in Action or Radical Dharma or both. And I invite you to consider what are you willing to be heartbroken for? What do you want your life to be for? If you don't know, I invite you to pause, reflect, and get curious. Thank you so much for listening. Please go to she'sher.com to keep in touch and learn of more opportunities to stay connected. If this podcast provided value to you, please consider becoming a member of our Patreon community where we offer unique opportunities to engage, grow, learn, and own your story in life. You can learn more at she'sher.com. Tune in to our next episode. More inspiration, wisdom, and insight is on the way. Until next time, standing in our collective liberation, be well.